Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. If you get your Bibles open to 2 Samuel, I believe I've got a word that's going to teach you, bless you, challenge you, comfort you, and all those things together. Amen? How many came for a word this morning? Amen. We're going to talk about friends here in a minute, but I'm going to read a verse. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 15 in a second. Y'all getting ahead of me on the screen over there. We're going to go to 2 Samuel in a second, and I want to read 1 Corinthians 15 in a second, but I'm, not going, to, I'm going to tell a quick story. So how many have friends in here? Let me see your hands. you got a friend. Friends, right? All of us have friends. Amen. Sometimes we think we have friends. Amen. And sometimes we... Uh, no, we have friends, but we don't, they're, they're not, we don't know if they're in high or low places. Amen? How many have had friends influence you to do things that weren't good? Amen? Let's just look at this verse real quick, and this is kind of to my story. Do not be deceived, because evil company corrupts good habits. How many were raised with, with, with the right, right things in your life? You knew what you were supposed to do, right? Had parents that taught you the right thing. Some people didn't. I had parents that taught me the right thing, took me to church, but I got around the wrong people when I got to high school and didn't have great influences. And one time, my, some of my friends said, let's go, let's go break into the high school. And just to start off, that's stupid as it is, right, because most people want to get out of school, not break into school. I didn't like school very much. I'd always be looking at the watch to get out, and they're like, let's go break into the school. And so we went and tried to cut the chains on this high school and break in. I don't even know what we were breaking in for. Because in the early 90s, there couldn't have been anything very, very valuable in the school. If there were computers, they were so big, we wouldn't be able to pull them out. But for some reason, we were going to break into the school because it sounded cool, I guess. So I just followed my friends, and we're climbing over and getting ready. And all of a sudden, we didn't hear sirens. We heard the helicopter with the, with the lights, the police helicopter. And I know I don't look like, the, like a fugitive here this morning, but... That was the first and only time in my life I ran from the police. And uh, that, that helicopter came over and shone down on us, and I was gone. And I was in good shape back in high school, and I don't know where I went, but I remember a ditch. I do remember a ditch at some point, and the good thing is we got away. I didn't get arrested, and I didn't get caught. But I, I did all that stupidity because I had a friend, right, a friend who was telling me we should go break into the high school. Has anybody ever had a friend teach you to do something stupid. I want to talk about friendship this morning, and I want to read this one more time and realize how important this is. Evil company corrupts good habits. This is so important for our teenagers especially, and this is important for uh, young converts to realize that we have to think about who we're around. And and we're going to look at a story here in a second. I'm going to put the background up, and it's going to be called Amnon Had a Friend. Now, notice that you can't see friend very well because it's not a good friend. Amnon had a friend. We're going to read a story here in a second, but I want to I tell you this morning something to think about for the whole message. I used to tell my daughters all the time growing up, they could probably recite this back. When you're around somebody, you're either going to be the influencer or you're going to be influenced. I told them that from when they were very young all the way through high school. I said, when you go around people, you're one of those two people. There are no idle moments. We sometimes think, you know, I'm just chilling. I'm just sitting here. I'm not doing nothing. You're always influencing or being influenced at all moments. 
You're, you're being the one that's influencing the other person or the other person is influencing you. That can be good or bad. But there's always an influence going on. Amen? And we want to be good influences. We want to be godly influences. So I want to pray this morning for this message just to sink into our hearts. God, I ask you this morning to speak to us. I ask you to minister to our hearts. Lord, arrest our minds this morning that we could hear your word, that, Lord, you would speak something to us this morning that would really challenge us and really help us grow, Father, and become the disciples that you've called us to be so we can continue to grow and continue to make impact on this city and on the people around us, Lord. And we come against every spirit of of darkness that would hinder and, and lie and deceive and confuse this morning. And we thank you for fruit from this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to see all you 11 o'clock. The 9 o'clock is, is fighting with you right now. They're doing really good. But it's good to see the 11 o'clock uh, fighting back. Amen. Filling up again. But our 9 o'clock is really growing. Amen. It's exciting to see uh, the, the people that are coming to our 9 o'clock service. And we're glad you're here at this 11 o'clock service. In case you don't know, I'm the lead pastor here. I'm Pastor Blake Andrews. And uh, I want to give you a word that I really, really believe is going to benefit you today. I really think we're going to see fruit from it. This is a message that needs to be preached. Amen. And it's so good to see Brian here this morning. I want everybody to just love on Brian. Just raise your hand, Brian, so everybody can see you. If you don't know him, get to know him. Known him for a long time. Got saved about nine or ten years ago, somewhere in our, in our old building. And haven't seen him for seven years. We're so glad he's here. Amen. If you don't know him, get to know him. He's with, that's Marianne's uh, husband. And it's good to see Marianne here as well. Amen. Uh, he doesn't mind me putting on my spot. He can handle it. He's a big dude. Amen. So... I want to get into 2 Samuel. I want to read a story. Now, at, before we read this, I want to give a little background. How many know the Old Testament has some interesting things? They did, they did things different than we do today. And, and I, I used to, when I started studying the Bible, and maybe you've ran into this, when I used to read the Old Testament, I used to think, man, were God's rules different in the Old Testament? Did he change? Did, was it, why, was so, why were they so messed up in the Old Testament? Like when you get into relationships and stuff like that. And as we get into this, you're going to kind of see some reasons. But I want, I want to say this right off the bat. God is not different in the New Testament than he was in the Old Testament. People just didn't listen to him. People were just disobedient. So, for example, as we go to read this story in a second, we're going to read about David and some of his kids. Okay? And we're going to read about how messed up they were and how some, some mistakes that they made. And we're going to do what I think is so important. We're going to learn from their mistakes. How many know a smart person is somebody who learns from somebody else's mistakes? That's a smart person. It, it, dumb people, and I'm not calling anybody dumb in here. I'm just saying dumb people are people who, who see somebody mess up in front of them and then go do the dumb thing right after them. Like, I'm going to do dumb better. Amen. See someone fall in a hole, I'm going to fall in better. Amen? But if I see a hole and I see someone fall, I'm going way left or way right because I'm, I'm not going to go in that hole. And, and that's wisdom and that's growth. And so we can learn from other, other people's mistakes. And one of the biggest things you can get out of the Old Testament is learning. Not too long ago I preached a message where it actually mentioned that the Old Testament situations were for our examples for us to learn from. So in this situation... David had many wives, okay? Lots of people in the Old Testament had more than one wife, more than one wife, wife, wife. I'm not sure which one's correct, English. But they had several, and so for a lot of years, I thought, man, um, that, 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 that must have been okay. 
that they had several wives in the Old Testament. God never intended these men to have many wives. They just disobeyed and didn't do what he said. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, he said, A man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his, not wives, to his wife. So it was always God's plan for a man to have a woman as his wife and that just to be it. But these other guys started doing their own thing and they had lots of wives. And so in this story, David has several wives, so he has lots of kids, and lots of those kids are half-brothers and half-sisters, and now that I'm starting to get into this, I know there's some people in here like, yeah, I can relate to the Bible, because we got some people like that in our church that are half-brothers and half-sisters and, and, and all that stuff, right? A lot of mixed families and stuff like that. So in this story, that, that's going on when we're going to read this, okay? And so there's David's kids that they are half-brothers and half-sisters. So I want to give that background before we read this. Let's read 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. I'm only going to read five verses, and then later, not today while I'm preaching, but later on or sometime this week, it would be good to read the whole chapter of this book. It says, After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister. Now, this is a half-sister, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, now keep it there for a second, the son of David loved her. Okay, that sounds okay. So a lot of times when we're looking at situations, think about this. As you go to make decisions in your life, how many so know sometimes when you're about to make a decision, at that moment it, it seems right and it seems normal, but then you go a step further and then things begin to get a little clearer of whether this is right or wrong. If you read this, I was about to reference off this screen. If you read this, this uh, verse right here, that sounds pretty normal. He loved his sister. That's great. Right? We should love our sisters. The problem with this story is he's not loving her in, this, in the love sense of a brother and a sister. He is lusting her. Lusting her. Now, just let me make a disclaimer real quick before I go forward. I say this all the time. Jerry Springer has nothing on the Bible. Okay? Jerry Springer, that's where that show is, has nothing on the Bible. And, and I want to say this real quick, too, in case I forget. Okay? So that sounds kind of weird, but it's true. Some people say, why, why are those crazy stories like we're about to read in the Bible? Why, why wouldn't God just leave that out? Right? Doesn't, wouldn't that make sense sometimes? The reason they're in there is because this Bible is real. It's a real book about real people and real mistakes and real problems and real solutions and real redemption and real salvation and real, 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 right? It's all real, but it's all in there. If God would have left these weird stories out, like out of like skip 13, if we would have done that, it wouldn't be real. But God left it all in there because he's showing us that this stuff existed, okay? So Clear there, Absalom's son of David um, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Let's look at verse 2. Amnon was so distressed over her, sis, over his sister, half-sister, that he became sick. For she was not, sorry, for she was a virgin, and it was, watch this, it was improper to Amnon, for Amnon to do anything to her. So everybody say, duh. Right? Duh. Okay, but here we are in verse 2, and we're seeing that now the, the picture has become a little more clear. Now it's clear that he doesn't just love her as a half-sister. He lusts her. He wants to be with her physically. He wants to have sex with her. 
All of our kids are back there, okay? He wants to be with her. And so as he's going forward, now we, sh- we can look at this, and every single one of us in here should say, that's wrong. Right. Tell the person next to you, that's wrong. Yeah. Right? That's real wrong. Okay? So now most sensible people would be like, uh, how did I even think that? Stop. Okay? Now, as we go forward in this, I understand being real, there's a lot of people in this world. There may be some people in this church who have been through some un- very improper situations in their lives. Am I in a real place? Improper situations. And I'm just going to say this and go out, go out on a limb of truth that a lot of what we deal with today in our world, in our society, with a lot of confusion sexually and all kinds of things and drugs and all kinds of things we're dealing with have a lot to do with these kind of situations. Right? We preach it real here. We keep it real. And so now we're saying, okay, it's improper for Amnon to do anything to her. Not only should he not think that, he definitely should not act on this because that's his half-sister and that's wrong, period. Right? Is everybody clear on that? So we should be taking the other door. We should be heading out the other way. We should be making the right decision. But something is influencing Amnon. Now look at verse 3. But Amnon had a friend. Has anybody ever had a, had a friend yeah. like that? Yeah. A friend? Amnon had a friend. And this friend, instead of saying, here's what he should have said, uh, Amnon, that's ridiculous, that's stupid, that's wrong. You should not be looking at your sister that way. You should be, you know, doing, head a different direction, giving her the right counsel. Instead of doing that, here's what he says. His name was Jonadab. He was the son of Shimei, David's brother. And Jen, Jonadab was a very crafty man. Does that sound like anybody to you this morning? The crafty man. When I hear the word crafty man, it takes me back to Genesis when the serpent was very crafty. Okay? And he was twisting things. And he was taking a truth and turning it into a lie. So this friend of his, this friend, was very crafty. Just to throw this out, by the way, lots of people have Facebook. And we have what are called friends on Facebook. And the average person in the United States has 300 friends. Friends, right? Okay? So lots of friends in our lives. Now look what happens. Instead of giving him good Godly counsel, he says to him, why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Now, this is interesting because sometimes it seems like that person in the beginning cares about us. I'm going to get into some types of friends this morning. Sometimes it seems like they actually care about us. Anybody had a friend like that that you thought they cared You thought they loved you. You thought they wanted the best for you. So here he is showing this concern. Why are you so skinny? Why are you so thin? Why are you losing weight? What's wrong? Then he says, Amnon says, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Right when he says that, it should have been, time out. Wait, what? You're not talking, wait, Tamar who? Right? You're talking about the other Tamar. Not your sister. Okay, but no, he doesn't do that. Watch what he does in verse 5. He says to Jonadab, says to him, lie down in your bed and pretend to be ill. 
And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and I may eat from her hand. And I'm going to stop it right there and you can read the rest of the story later, but I'm going to give you the conclusion of what happens because I don't have time to get into all of it. So is everybody with me so far? We're talking about friends. We're talking about influences. We're talking about a man who is lusting after his half-sister, and, he, and she is a virgin. He wants to be with her. Now a friend comes along that Amnon has, and instead of that friend giving him good counsel and saying, what are you thinking? What are you doing? What, this is wrong. And then kind of helping him think, if you do this, see, a good friend will help you see the consequences of your decisions. If you do this, there's going to be some bad things that are going to happen. Church, we need to realize every decision we make has consequences. Can I say that again? Every single decision we make has consequences. Too many people think, I'm going to make this decision, and they'll even say, it's a wrong decision, but I'm going to make it, and it's just going to affect me. Nothing you do affects just you. Okay, so you're thinking, well, well, what happened? Here's what happened. You can read it later. He does exactly what his friend says. He fakes that he's sick, and she comes in, and the story gets longer. There's lots going back and forth, but he rapes his sister. He takes her, and he rapes her against her will. And, and that's why I said today we have so many horrible situations in our, in our world, so many messed up, grown-up kids. Because this, this kind of stuff happens today in our society. Well, it got quiet in here. That's how I know I'm telling the truth. Sad, isn't it? It's sad. We can't go back and fix things that have happened, but we can, we can work on the future. How many are thankful for that this morning? We can work on the future this morning. But we need to take heed to words like this where I can help realize and think that my decisions have consequences. So he takes his sister, half-sister Tamar, and rapes her against her will. Okay, and then here's what happens. I'm going to read to you just a few things that happen to him, and there's, this is at greater depth than what I'm going to tell you, and you can read in the story. But because he makes that mistake and because he does not listen to good counsel, and he finds the person. See, here's the problem too. If I want to do something wrong, I can find somebody who's going to tell me it's right. And I can call him a friend. Right? If I want to, if I want to find a church that does not preach against something that I want to do wrong, I can find it. I can find Christians. I can find a group. I can find leaders. I can find friends. And we can say, listen, I don't think this is a big deal. And we can do it and we can get away with it because I can find somebody who's going to tell me it's okay. But I'll get into this a little bit. We need some people in our lives who will be real friends and will tell us not what we need to hear or what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Can somebody say amen? Somebody needs to tell us that's wrong. This is going to lead you down a path of destruction. This is going to cause... Listen, I'm, if you go back to my story, how many, how many can think of a thousand stories of your childhood that if things would have gone different, everything would be different? I mean, I, I, I was thinking just yesterday because we were at a, a thing with my daughter, a, a, a fallen police officer's thing, and I was just, I don't even know why this thought came in my head, but I was thinking yesterday, what if I'd have got caught? You know, what if I'd have got caught? Who knows? I don't need, you, you just think of just one time how something could just totally change your destiny. Okay? 
What, what could have been the destiny of, of, of uh, Amnon if he would have listened to godly counsel and not to his friend, amen, Jonadab? So he does this. He does this act, and listen to what happens. Here's a few consequences. He first and foremost, the saddest thing, and this is kind of what I'm talking about this morning, that we have to recognize and be real about is we have a generation of people today who have been affected by these kind of things. He ruined Tamar's life. An innocent girl ruined her. The Bible says that she ended, she spent the rest of her life desolate and, 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 and a horrible life. Now she could have changed. We know today that she, I don't know, we don't know the details of, of, of what could have changed in her life, but the bottom line is he ruined her life by his decision. And, the, and we know this because he, he was, uh, when after he raped her, she tried, she was such a good woman, she tried to make that right. Because he, he left her and she said, don't, don't just leave me now, you've already done this to me, let's make this right. If you leave me, it's going to be worse than what you've already done. And she tried to fix it. So she spent the rest of her life ruined. Then, here's what else happened, Amnon got killed. He himself got killed. Over a little bit of pleasure with his half-sister, he lost his life. Because once his brother Absalom found out that he had been with his half-sister, Absalom's real sister, Absalom began to plot for two years how he was going to take him out. And he took him out. And he killed him. So now Tamar's life is ruined. Now Absalom is a murderer. And now this is causing problems between him, and, between him and David, his father, Absalom's father, David. And now David's mad that, that Amnon did that. And then David's mad at Absalom that he, that he killed his, uh, his son. And then now Absalom's heart, because he's a murderer, think about it. He's a murderer now because of what Amnon did to his sister. Now, I'm not excusing that he killed him. He had to make that decision, but if that man wouldn't have raped his sister, he wouldn't be a murderer. So consequences, all these things are happening, and then we go in to see that Absalom is now fighting with his father, and their relationship is estranged, and it gets so bad that Absalom tries to take over his father's kingdom. Now you see why I said Jerry Springer has nothing on the Bible. Murder, incest, rape, it's crazy. It's in the Bible. Why? To teach us some things. Eventually, Absalom dies in battle. And I think about Absalom this morning. So he's a, he's a result of the consequences of bad choices of somebody else. I'm going to say this real quick. I didn't say this in the first service. Be careful that you don't allow the things that have happened to you in your life to justify you making wrong choices. Amen. Amen. It's not a justification. Be careful that you do that. Be careful that you, what has happened to you is horrible and it's wrong. But Absalom did not have to end like he ended. He ends up dying in battle because he's fighting on the wrong battlefield. He's fighting a battle he should have never fought. But that all started because Amnon had a friend who gave him bad, bad bad counsel. Amen. How many are still here? I want to give you real quickly three types of friends. I was thinking about this week and I, 
this came to me, and I, I really believe this is the truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say them fast, and I'm going to go back over them. There's three types of friends. There's friends who come into your life for a reason. There's friends who come into your life for a season. And there's friends who come into your life for life. Okay? Reason, season, life. Now, the first one is the most recognizable and the most frustrating. These are friends who come into your life, and the only reason they're in your life is because they want something. I know nobody in here has a friend like that. I know nobody knows anybody like that. And what's interesting to me, pastoring a church, is over the years, I have seen these parallels of these three friends. People come into the church just like this too. There are people who come into the church because they want something. They just want something. They don't want to change. They just want something. They just came because there's a need. And they're going to call. They're going to go to church. They show up when there's food. They show up when there's, when there's money. They show up when there's a need. But they don't show up because they want to serve God. Okay? Same thing with friends. Then there's those people who are seasonal. I've seen this over the years too. And, and listen, seasonal people, I've, I have learned and come to learn and thank the people that come for a season. God sends people through for a season. There's been over the last 11 years, and this happened in Costa Rica too, where people would come in. Let me ask you this real quick. How many here, just in this church this morning, you've been coming for a while, and you have seen people come and go? Let me see your hands. Seen people come and go. Well, first of all, that's normal in every church. But it's those people can be any of these three things, but they definitely weren't lifers. Okay, they were, they were either coming for a reason, or they were coming for a season. And the season part, sometimes, there's a saying that my pastor taught me a bunch of years ago, and you want, you want to remember this, and, and, and take this from church. Pastor Mario and Dianza already know what I'm going to say, and a lot of you do too as well. And, and I'm going to say this, and this goes with church, and this goes with friendship. Some people bless you in their life when they come in, and some people bless you in your life when they leave. I guess I need to say that again, because it was like slow, slow. Some people bless you when they come, and some people bless you when they go. Right? And some people bless you in the middle. Some people come for a seat. I've seen people come into the church. They tithe. They give. They help. They serve. They don't cause any problems, and then they're gone. And I, okay, those were seasoned people. God sent those people in for a season. There was many times working on the buildings over the years. I remember in Costa Rica, God sent a guy in. Who, who did everything, we, people we needed in our church to help build something, and then he was gone after. So God sent him in for a season. So that happens, but what we're all working on and want in our lives is we want to have lifelong friends, right? That's the ultimate goal is that we would have good friends and good relationships, and not only that we would have them, but we would be them, that we would be that friend, amen? So reason they come in straight to your life, and they dump you after. Okay? I'm going to say this to the teenagers and especially the ladies, especially going off this story. Be careful of those guys that come along and gir- guys, the girls that come along, and they tell you all the things that you want to hear, and they tell you all the things that you need to hear, and then they're going to dump you once they get what they need, especially if they're talking about any kind of in- intimacy. If they, if, they, if they talk about things that's not pure, they want you for something else. Can I get a better amen? amen. So be careful with those people because they're going to dump you and they're going to leave you. You're just a number. You don't mean anything. If you really mean something to them, they're going to prove that to you. Amen. 
So a season is they'll come in for a time. Don't count on them. Don't build on them. Don't count on them. Don't build on them because they're going to leave. Okay? But then there's the friends that are for life. They're friends. These friends are friends who are not going to leave when the going gets rough. Everybody says they're a friend, but when trouble comes, that's when you find out who your true friends are. When the dust settles, you find that out. Amen? Now, we're going to look at something in Job chapter 2, and I want to show you a scripture here that's really important. How many have read the book of Job? Let me see your hands. Okay, if you have not read the book of Job, read it. Especially if you think you have a bad life. Okay, if you think you, you are really going through a struggle, I'm not here to minimize your struggle. But go read Job, and you will think you have got it made. Because Job, and I'm just going to give a little background real quick, the 10-second version. Job, Job was a just man, a righteous man that did nothing wrong. The Bible says he was perfect. He was righteous. And Satan shows up and goes before the throne of God. And, and listen to what God, God did. God said to Job or to Satan, have you thought about or have you considered my servant Job? So he puts Job in front of Satan and says, go test him. Allow him to be tested because he's going to pass the test. And God says, or Satan says, yeah, but he, he loves you because he's rich, he has a good family, and he's healthy. And so he says, if you make him sick or if you do something to him, he's going to curse you to the ground. He's going to curse you to, with his hand. He's going to curse you and leave you. And, and God says, okay, go and do whatever you want, but you can't take his life. And Satan does that. And what we're going to pick up here in a second in this story, Job has lost his home or homes because he was very wealthy. He's lost all his livestock. All his kids are dead. And his wife has told him, curse God and die. And she's left him. Again, Jerry Springer has nothing on the Bible. Now he's sitting in a pile of ashes and the smoke is going up and he has pottery and he is scraping boils off of his body. So if anybody here has lost all that, I would love to hear your story. I know a lot of people have lost some of those things, but I've never to this day met anybody who has lost all that yet. I'm sure they exist. But if you think your life's bad, go read Job. Okay? Now we pick up in the second chapter, and his friends have heard about, we're going to find out if they're friends or real friends, if they're seasonal, reasonal, or life friends, and it says, now when Job's three friends, see the three friends, heard of his adversary, of this adversity, sorry, they came upon him, that had come upon him, each one came from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shunite, and Zophar the Namathite, for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and comfort him. That's what friends should do, mourn with them and comfort them. Now look what it says. And when they raised their eyes from afar off, they didn't recognize him. Has anybody ran into somebody from high school that you don't recognize? Am I the only one? I mean, especially if you see pictures, right? I was joking about this in the first service. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. I, I look back at some of the girls that I thought were really pretty, and they're not pretty anymore. I'm like, whoa, thank you, Lord, for Carla. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I would never tell them that. And I'm sure I'm the only person that's ever even had that into their minds. 
I'm like, whoa, she was really pretty back then. Then. <laughs> and then sometimes you see a girl that like, you never even, and you're like, wow, they're really pretty now. It just changes, right? But how many have seen somebody that life has really affected? The same guy that was with me the night we were running from the cops, and it was definitely his fault, for sure, because like I said, I did not want to break into the school. I've seen pictures of him now. He is a total drug addict. He's skin and bones. I say it with all love and compassion and sadness. He looks like death warmed over. I mean, he's totally changed. I, I would not, if I did not know it was him, I would not recognize him. That is what they're saying here. We see these people who just have had life just destroy them. So they, they don't even recognize Job. It says they lifted their voices and wept. That's a good friend. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. Now watch this last part. And they sat down with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. That's a good friend. And watch this. No one spoke a word to him. They saw that his grief was very great. So I read that part because if you know the story of Job, you know that that sounds good and that was friendly. They were actually friendly. They showed up and, and they sat there and they listened. But the Bible goes on to tell us in the story that as time goes on, they start talking and they start saying things they shouldn't take, say, and pretty much the whole chapter there is going back and forth between Job and his friends, and his friends don't give him godly counsel, and in the end, they get rebuked by God for putting God in a bad place, not, not, not representing God, okay? So we have to be careful of the friends that we have around us and who we even call friends, because how many have realized that true friends, life friends, if you notice about those three things, you got the reason, you got the season, and you got the life. How many know that at the first, the reason, there's lots of them? There's a lot of reason friends. Especially if you've got something. If you've got any kind of money or any kind of success or anything, there's lots of friends. Lots of reason friends. Then you got your seasonal, that gets less. But how many life friends do you have? Usually you can count it on one hand how many friends you have in your life that are lifers. They've been with you for a long time and you know they're going to be with you in the end. They're life friends. I, I have friends like that. I'm blessed to, that I have friends like that. First and foremost, my dad has been a friend my whole life. Now my mom's just my mom. I mean, I can't, you know, she's just my mom. She's mama. But my dad has been that friend. We have a friendship. He's always been there. He's always supported me. And he's been a life friend. Pastor Dustin, when I met him many, many years ago, he's been a friend for 20 years. Just, we, we don't see each other but once or twice a year. And we, we just pick up right where we left off. We can go eat lunch together. We ate at conference like we had been the day before together. That's a life friend. I've been there for him. He's been there for me in very difficult times. I think of Pastor Mario. How blessed am I to have one of my very best friends in this church serving with me in this church as a pastor. I'm very blessed. He is a friend, a life friend that I know that if I need something, he's going to be there. He's going to go out of his way. I will go out of my way to help him. How many know we need friends like that? Now it makes it even better when you get friends like that who are godly and have the same future and have the same plans and have the same goals 
And that's where you start realizing that in your friendships, you need to start cutting some out because those friends aren't helping you get where you need to go. They're just pulling you down. They're like the crabs in a bucket. Have you ever seen that crab thing? The crabs would climb up to the top and those other crabs will pull them back down. They'll pull them down so no one gets up to the top. Some of you have friends that they're just pulling you down. You wonder, why is it like this? You need to cut them off. They're not, they're just, they just need you. And they're not going to always be there. But there's life friends. I'm thankful to have Brian and David that was in the first service that we met on the basketball court and developed a friendship before we ever were in church. Now I'm discipling them. Brian's in ministry. I said in the first service, David's coming into ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. We're speaking that into faith that he's going to get it all together. But I have, I have, it's nice to have friends like that that aren't pastors too that you can talk to. I can talk to them about things because we were friends before I became a, before they knew I was a pastor, I should say. We need people like that. Your spouse can be your best friend. Amen? But we choose if these people are reasons or seasons or lifers. We choose that. We've got to make good choices. I want to give you, as we're closing, just a couple verses. Here's a really good verse. Write this down. Proverbs 27, verses 5 to 6. It says, an open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. You know who you need in your life? A friend who's going to tell you the truth. Not what you need to hear, but someone who's going to tell you, listen, you're going the wrong direction. Listen, you're being prideful. Listen, this is not right. You need someone in your life that's going to give you an open rebuke. Now, when that means open rebuke, that doesn't mean in front of the public. <laughs> it means open rebuke between the two of you. Meaning I'm not rebuking you at some someplace else. I'm not rebuking you to somebody else. Did y'all catch that? Don't rebuke someone to somebody else. Rebuke them directly. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I sent that out as the verse this morning. Proverbs 27.9, this is the New Living Translation. This is so powerful. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is a sweet perfume and incense. Amen? How many like things that smell good? The heartfelt counsel of a friend has a sweet smell. And finally, we know this morning that there's somebody who's the best friend. The best. And if you get this right, this is where we fail a lot of times. If you look at your relationships, I've always said this, if you look at your relationships that are horizontal and they're not good, the reason is is your vertical relationship is wrong. If you'll make Jesus Christ your very best friend, because the Bible says he's the friend of sinners. He got accused. For, how many are thankful, by the way, that Jesus was a friend of sinners? Did y'all catch that? That means he was your friend when you didn't deserve to have friendship. While we were sinners, he died for us. He, he left heaven and left glory to come down and be a real friend. A real friend will show it. A real friend doesn't just talk. A real friend acts. Matter of fact, a real friend acts more and talks less. You just know they're there. If you go back to those friends with Job, how many have ever had someone lose someone, been through a really difficult trial, and you don't know what to say? You just don't know what to say. Guess what? A lot of times, it's better just not to say anything at all and just be there. They did good for seven days. They just were there. 
Because the bottom line is, most of the time what you say is not going to matter. You just, they just need you to be there. They don't need your words. They just need you to be there. And the cool thing is, is that Jesus, Proverbs 18, 24 says, is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Amen? How many have found that in your lives, that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother? I want you to stand to your feet this morning, and I want to give you one more thought. How many have heard the parable of the 99 sheep and the one that was lost? This is in Luke 15. Jesus goes off. Sorry, yeah, Luke 15. Jesus goes off and he says, I'm going to leave the 99. I'm going after that one that's lost. You know who the one that's lost is? You and me. That was us. And we did not deserve that, that he would come after us, but he came after us. He left all the 99 and went after the one. That's what a true friend does. A true friend's not looking for anything in return. If you've got friends that when you do something for them, they're always wanting something back, that's not a true friend. A true friend does something out of love. A true friend says, I'm here with you. I'm, I'm, I'm in covenant with you, whether it's good or bad. It's almost like marriage vows. doesn't matter what's going on. I'm your friend with, with you. I'm with, you I'm with money, I'm your friend without. I'm your friend if you're sick. I'm your friend if you're healthy. I'm your friend. Amen. And Jesus made amazing statements. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that means that if we disobey, he will love us all the way to hell. All the way to hell. He won't put us there because we do that. We, do, we reject Christ and we reject the right things and the, make the wrong decisions, but he'll still love us all the way because that's the love that Jesus has for us. That's our example this morning. Amen? So I know that there's people here that, that maybe need to make some new friends. Maybe need to cut out some friends. Need, need to get around people that are going to lift you up. People that are going to make you a better person. I'll, I want to be successful in every area of my life, so I've got to get around people who have the same goals as me. The same common goals. If you have friends that are constantly tearing you down and constantly demeaning you and demising you and, 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 and bringing you down, get away from those people. That's called toxic relationships. Get away from those people. Find people in this church that have a common goal and a common ground and a common denominator who's Jesus. And get, make some, some people say, well, I don't have any friends. Well, make some. It's a two-way street. You gotta go, you gotta go make friends. Find, find someone in this place that has some things in common and then begin to say, hey, let's help each other. Let's strengthen each other in these areas. Father, I pray this morning for friends like you. Friends that stick closer than a brother. Pray for relationships in this place, God, that they'd be godly, that they'd be led by your Holy Spirit. Father, that we would have friends for life. Friends who encourage us, friends who lift us, lift us up. Friends who see the good, even when we're bad. Friends who see the good in us, who see the potential in us. Friends who speak life over us. Friends who want the best for us. Friends who don't have motives. God, I know there's some people in here this morning that feel like they don't have a good friend like that, a friend for life.
But Lord, you this morning can start off by showing them that you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I would challenge you this morning if you're that person that feels like you don't have any real friends to make Jesus Christ your best friend, to make the relationship with the Lord strong this morning, to rededicate yourself, to renew your vows with Jesus because he left the 99 for you. Nobody has, the Bible says, no greater love has anyone have that they would lay their lives down for their brother. And Jesus laid his life down for us. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're, we're praying and the presence of the living God is in this place, I want to ask how many people in this place would be honest with God and say, Pastor, this morning I'm standing here and I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I have not been born again. I have not given my life to Christ. I have not surrendered. I want a friendship like you're talking about. I want to have that intimacy with God. I want to know the plans He has for my life, but I haven't surrendered totally to God. I haven't put my faith in the fact that Jesus came down and took my place. And that life sentence, that eternal sentence that I had of death took my place. Today I want to change. Today I want to give my life, my heart, and my friendship to Jesus. How many in this place would say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand up. Put it right back down. I see your hand. I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I want, I want to be born again. I want to be a child of God this morning. Listen, I'm going to say this again. I said it in the beginning. There's a lot of bad things that have happened to good people. But you've got to stop living in the past. You've got to let God heal you. You've got to, Jesus has forgiven it. Jesus wants to heal it, but you've got to let him heal it. That anger, that frustration is not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. Let it go. Give it to God. That's what Job did. He realized God gives, God takes away. Naked I came out of my mother's womb. Naked I'm going to go back into, into eternal, eternal life. I don't have anything. Anything I have is from God. There's hurts. I know there's real hurts. But God will be that friend. Maybe you're here and you're like the one that left the 99. You know the Lord. You have a real, you've had a relationship with Him. But today, you're off alone. You've ran off and you're, you're needing to come home. Jesus is calling you this morning. How many would say, that's me, Pastor. I'm coming home. Just put your hand up and put it right back down all over this place. Amen. Many hands. Amen. Many hands. Praise God. Coming home. Coming home. That's why we had church this morning, for you to come home. We, we did this service. Everything we did today was so that you could know you can come home. As I'm speaking and as I'm changing directions, I want to do one thing real quick. If you raised your hand all over this place for either one of those, I want to ask you to step out of your seat to the nearest aisle and I want you to come down here I want you to come home to this altar this morning I want you to come home to Jesus come on many hands went up just come just step out and come all over this place just come just come stand here I want to pray with you this morning amen come home make it right get it right put it back in God's hands amen I'm going to wait just a moment longer maybe you raised your hand maybe you didn't raise your hand here, here's the clarity of what I'm trying to do here. 
If you died today, if you passed into eternity, would there be any doubts at all that you're not saved? Would you, what would you say to God right now if immediately you went from life to death and you're standing before God as that spotlight is hitting me right now, I can't even look up into that light, it's so bright, I would stand before God and he would say, what do you, what, what do you have to say for your life? What can we really say, honestly? Well, this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened and, and, and God would say, you know, that's all legitimate. I, you're right, a lot of bad things happened to you. But I said in my word that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins. I sent my son to heal your hurts. And you rejected him. That would, that's what, that's what, because there's only two things that we're going to hear at the end of our lives. One is enter in, good and faithful servant. And the other one is depart from me, doer of iniquity. I know you're not. There's the only two things we're going to hear. So if you're not sure, you would hear. If you're not sure, 100% sure that you would hear, enter in, good and faithful servant. This is your moment. This is your moment to step out and say, I'm going to get my heart right with God this morning. I'm going to make sure that my heart is right with God. I'm going to make sure that my faith is not in who I am or my works or my goodness, but it's in what Jesus did on the cross. I'm going to wait five seconds for anybody else all over this place. Five Four, three, I'll wash my hands. Two, because I'm, I'm, I'm just the messenger. One, I can't make the decision for you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There's another one. Amen. You can still come. You can still come. Amen. I want to say a prayer real quick before we move in the next direction. I want everybody just to repeat this after me. Lord Jesus. You are so merciful, so awesome, and so loving, and so graceful that you would let me stand before you this morning, that I would have this chance to listen to your voice. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this service. Thank you for speaking to me while I can still hear. I know that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, please forgive me for my mistakes and my sins, my anger and my unforgiveness. I know that I need a Savior. And I know you're the best friend I could ever have. You died for me on the cross to take my place so I could have eternal life. Come into my life. Change me transform me make me a new creation and please write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus name Amen Amen let's give the Lord a big big praise this morning for that thank you Father thank you Jesus thanks again for listening if you want to hear more messages please subscribe to our podcast channel And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.